Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello. I'm Janet Morana, the Executive Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our program. Well, the other title I have is I also co-founded the Silent No More Awareness Campaign, which is a campaign of women who regret their abortion, men speaking out who regret lost fatherhood, uh, and siblings who speak out finding out that uh, their mom had an abortion and they're mourning an aborted sibling. Uh, grandparents uh, who either <clears throat> participated by taking their daughter for the abortion or didn't even know and lost a grandchild to abortion. All this is part of the Silent No More Awareness campaign. And these people, after being hurt by abortion, gone through healing, and now speak publicly about their testimonies in order to basically reach others who are still hurting, to know that there's hope and healing in Rachel's Vineyard and other abortion recovery programs. Also, to reach women who are considering an abortion, to say, don't do it, don't go down that road. It, it, it doesn't solve your problem. It creates all these other problems. And also to reach the public, especially now. We are in what we call a post-Roe America. As you know, June 24th, great day. That was the day the Supreme Court handed down the decision overturning Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. But now we're dealing with a lot of things happening all over the states. Well, <clears throat> joining me today is a very good friend of ours, and she's a regional coordinator for Silent No More out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, she's going to ex share her experiences and tell us what is happening on the ground in Albuquerque, New Mexico with abortion. So welcome to the program, Christina Garza. Hi there, everybody. Hi, Janet. Uh, glad to have you. Thank you. Of course, you're, you're a regional coordinator. I want people to know what that is, basically. If you go to the Silent No More website and you see the little flag there, click on the flag and... You can just go to uh, New Mexico, click that. You will see Christina's lovely picture there. Her testimony, which is not one of a woman who's had an abortion, but actually a woman who lost a sibling to abortion. And she's basically telling people who are in Albuquerque or in New Mexico, if you're hurting from an abortion or, or some circumstances, we're here for you. And they contact you and you help them find healing, don't you, Christina? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, me and my co-regional uh, coordinator, Michelle Deglau, we help uh, the mothers, the fathers, the grandparents, and the siblings that are also in my um, same boat, actually. And we're hoping to also extend that to former abortionists as well. That's great. That's great. Well, let, let's focus in first on your story, yeah. uh, as I said. Uh, you lost a sibling to abortion. Mm -hmm. Tell everyone how you found out about that and how did you feel when you found out? In um, April of 2013, uh, we got, we started going to Planned Parenthood as a part of the 40 Days for Life. Uh, and my mother didn't come out yet with a secret that she was holding with her for 20 plus years at that point. Um, there was a Jericho walk, which was held on Good Friday, and my mother and I attended it, and that's when we found out that New Mexico is 
the late-term abortion capital of the world and also in the southwest of the United States. And so I talked to my mom. I talked to my husband. I knew that there was an abortion in my husband's past. I'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, well, anyway, a couple of weeks go by, and my sister and I got into a debate uh, when it came to the abortion issue. And my mom just completely withdrew it. Uh, actually, she sadness was on her face. She was about to start crying, and she said that she would. She hoped that me and my siblings would be as forgiving as my late father um, was. And uh, she had an abortion, 1984, um, pressured into it at the time uh, by her then boyfriend, Ashley, at Planned Parenthood's uh, Planned Parenthood Surgical Center here in Albuquerque. And the only thing that they asked her was what religion she was. And she said she's Catholic. And they said, oh, you'll just be forgiven. They had the abortion done on January 13th of 1984. She was absolutely devastated. They, they didn't tend to her. They preyed on her emotional status. Um, I got up from my chair because it was for lunch that we met. And I just got up and I hugged her. I was sobbing with her. Um, I told her her and my husband have a common bond of not wanting to go through with something that was just so terrible for for their children and uh, so i forgave her uh, i forgave her then and there and just just loved on her and hugged her uh, and that started that was an absolute definite that um my family and i would get more involved in the pro-life movement here in new mexico and so we started out, we were going once a week at that time. And then in 2015, that's when we felt the exact push uh, to go almost daily. And we still go daily uh, to this day. And uh, in front of Southwestern Women's Options, late-term abortion facility here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is notorious um, with our friends of abortion uh, on trial. Um, our, the lead attorney is also my attorney, um, and also Jamie Jeffries, God bless her. She, um, we are exposing the abortion industry for what it is, actually, and for what it has done um, to the women here in New Mexico and also <laughs> national and also um, overseas. Now, with your mom, let's just focus on her uh, for another minute. Um, did she then attend an abortion recovery program at all? Were you able to help her find more peace about the situation? Okay. Um, that's a very good question. Yes. Um, back in 2013, she just kept on saying that God has healed her. Uh, she, she's an absolute sweetheart, but she just kept on saying she was healed. She was healed. But the reality was she was not healed. Uh, actually she, she didn't receive healing yet. And I kept on, yes, I was encouraging her, but I also was telling her she needed to go, she needed to go, but she was not yet ready, actually. And so what I decided to do was, yes, I continued to encourage her, but I also forgot one major thing that I needed to do, uh, which was to pray for her, right? And well, it wasn't until she saw on um, planned in, in 2019, 
because the exact same scenario, she was dropped off at Planned Parenthood like Abby Johnson was by her first husband and um, had the abortion done and was just left there. And, and uh, so it wasn't until she saw that exact scene that she finally said, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So yes, both her and uh, my husband and I, we attended Rachel's Vineyard together in the summer of 2019 where we did receive healing yes that's that's fantastic because when you think about it you know <clears throat> your mom she regrets her abortion now and she went through healing you of course regret and mourn your aborted sibling and then your husband yeah. regrets his lost fatherhood but let's talk about your husband just for a minute too yeah. um <clears throat> because you had told me he didn't want the abortion so tell us about his, his story a little bit Okay. Well, it happened in uh, 2006. Uh, this was three years before Ken and I met, and Ken is my husband, uh, now almost 13 years. Well, we um, we got into the car. We just got engaged, and uh, he told me about it. What happened was is that, yes, he was engaged prior to me, and uh, um, she wanted the abortion done. And She just woke up one day random, and wanted the abortion done at 16 weeks. Well, he put up a, he would argue with her. He would tell her, you don't have to, you could sign your rights away. Um, I can raise this child on my own. You don't have to have the abortion. Um, he was doing everything he could in a father's standpoint to um, keep his child from dying uh, in the abortion at Planned Parenthood Surgical Center here in Albuquerque. Well, she got up one day, she had a friend uh, that drove her to the Planned Parenthood Surgical Center here in Albuquerque. They argued right after he found out what she was there for. Um, we found out that later because he did walk into Ken's um, place of employment at the time and apologized. She, she went through with it that very those two days and she, because it was the two day procedure. Um, well, she did reach out to us in 19, uh, just two, three days after my husband celebrated his birthday in February. And um, she said she was sorry that she hurt him, but unfortunately she still stands by her decision to have an abortion on Jacob at 16 weeks. And she still, she still is a very much a pro-abortion advocate where where with me um i've been more supportive to ken and that's why i signed um in 2017 his certificate of life uh, for little jacob and so i'm his adopted mother uh by spiritually yes right and when you think about it you know christina um you know june 24th we had the overruling of roe v wade and planned parenthood versus casey uh -huh. And I, I, the thing that struck me most that day was how many of these children would be alive today because, you know, like his girlfriend probably would not have had an abortion if it wasn't legal. It wouldn't have even entered her mind probably. Uh -huh. And, you know, your husband would have, you know, helped her and yeah. abortion wouldn't even been in the discussion, you know? So there's so many people like when, when, when Roe was overturned, yeah. Didn't he have any reaction about, oh my gosh, if it wasn't for that, my child would be alive, my Jacob would be alive today? 
yes, there was. There was an immediate reaction uh, that, uh, because what happened was that when I got the news, um, I was on the sidewalk in front of Planned Parenthood, so it turned into a bittersweet day, but more sweet, uh, actually. Um, because, like, I called him, and he just said, I really wish Roe never happened. My mom said the same thing when I called her. Um, otherwise, Gat Gabriella and Jacob would still be here, uh, actually. And um, not that they wouldn't have adopted them out or been a single parent, but they, um, they would still have the the children here with us very much. Yeah. And of course, now you've, you've alluded to the fact that, and I know this, Albuquerque is one of those places that mm -hmm. does abortion up till birth, yeah. uh, which, you know, everyone, you know, the panic when, when Roe was overruled uh, that, oh, women can't have abortions now. Oh my goodness. It's like, no, there's plenty of states that still mm -hmm. kill babies to birth, New Mexico yeah. being one of them. And right there in Albuquerque, it's like the abortion, late-term abortion city. Uh, yes. Tell us a, a little bit about of a snapshot of what is going on, because from what I understand, states that have abortion to birth after Roe was reversed, mm -hmm. they are really amping things up. So tell us on the ground what's going on there. Very good. Um, yes, on the ground, we are seeing... Um, People from Texas, we're seeing people um, from somewhat California, Arizona, Oklahoma uh, come here, right, Ashley, and have their late-term abortions here at Southwestern Women's Options. Um, the facility is owned by uh, the abortionist Curtis Boyd, uh, actually, and uh, some are actually applying parenthood. I was at Southwestern Women's Options today. Um, yes, like it's and also that now there's another abortion clinic opening here in Albuquerque. Um, it, it's going to get busy. It has gotten busy since Roe was overturned. Unfortunately, our governor, um, uh, God pray for her, please, uh, that um, she is very pro-abort. She thinks that it's okay to do this um, while receiving um Money, see, money from the abortion industry and also from Curtis Boyd himself. I'm very much their best friends, unfortunately. Um, but um, yes, and uh, in Mike Seibel's words, <laughs> actually, that um, Albuquerque is going to be known as the abortion Las Vegas, actually. So forget about the lights. It's going to be, uh, forget about the lights, forget about the casinos. It's going to mainly be abortion facility after abortion facility here. Uh, because like, uh, it's unfortunately a pro-death state uh, here in New Mexico. Yeah. So, so basically, you know, um, as you know, a lot of companies, unfortunately, have come out and said, oh, we'll pay for our employees' expenses to go to a state where they can kill their babies, have their abortion. And yeah. so now I would imagine uh, there's going to be a brisk business, too, of the motels near the abortion clinic of these women traveling in, young girls traveling into Albuquerque uh, to have an abortion. And I bet the parking lot is filled with cars from other states' license plates. I mean, is that what you're kind of seeing on the ground there, that there's like a flood now of people coming into Albuquerque? Yes. Uh, yes, I am seeing floods. Uh, actually, towards Friday, 
that that parking lot can get so full up to near 40 women per week uh, actually here at southwestern Women's options um like the parking lot will be full and then there's a a road across the street and they will be parking up along that line and literally walk down uh that street to get to southwestern Women's options and yes they would stay at um hotels here in albuquerque um and yes they are told not to call 911 if anything goes wrong uh by the abortionist and so she can literally deliver her baby into the toilet at the hotel or wherever she's staying unfortunately um but with abortion on trial um thank them because like they do amazing work uh by also exposing the uh the abortion industry even southwest uh, women's options. They also um, bring in justice for these moms who have been hurt um, by Curtis Boyd and his staff, and even at these hotel rooms. Yeah. Well, and that's what I want people to know that uh, late term abortion is so dangerous for a woman. Uh, that anything like second and third trimester abortions. And in fact, uh, women have died there at southwestern at the hands of curtis boyd and i do know recently um there was a judgment against the abortionist was successfully accomplished by abortion on trial and and the attorneys there uh that they won a judgment for the the family who lost uh i mean this mother lost her daughter and her grandchild in an abortion done at southwestern uh clinic there right yes that would be Keisha and little Nidus. And uh, I was there that morning when she first walked in. Um, I did everything I could, but she she was uh, like, she didn't know what to do. She just smiled and just walked on in. It wasn't until August of 2017 that I found out that she passed away. Um, and her mother and her sister were uh, just suffering very much so because that was their daughter their sister their niece and their granddaughter um well we were just um when i got that judgment call from mike uh and also the team of abortion on trial it no words can actually say other than justice was served uh for for keisha and me and also for the atkins family it was just so overjoyed that yes it took took a while but justice came and I do share her testimony all the time on the sidewalk, even with my team uh, under the Cherub Initiative on uh, social media outlets. Um, reason why is because I don't want every, anyone to forget what Southwestern Women's Options has done to her and her baby. That's right. And, you know, she's not the only woman has that's been injured there. I know there's other cases that are percolating uh, through the courts there uh, because later, you know, as we always say, and I say every abortion always bad for the baby, but it's always also always bad for the mom. And what goes on there at the hands of Curtis Boyd is just despicable. Uh, The conditions the women are in and, and the fact that, you know, people have to realize uh, that late-term abortion is a multiple-day procedure. And, you know, he has them come and he inserts something to begin dilating their cervix, but then he sends them back to that that, uh, motel they're staying in nearby. It's not like they're being monitored. You know, 
in a hospital setting or anything. No, go back to the motel, come back in the morning. We'll check you again. Uh -huh. They come back, they check them again. Then, okay, go back to the motel. You're not, not quite ready yet. Yes. And what people don't realize at that point, anyway, they've already killed the baby. Correct. They've already injected a digoxin on day one into the baby's heart. So yep. now this mom, she feels that baby, you know, kicking around and then suddenly no kicking. Yeah. I mean, it, it's traumatic. And then she spends two more days waiting, you know, for everything to get okay. And like you said, sometimes, unfortunately, the the baby will come out in the motel room on them. You know what yeah. I mean? And and the the abortion clinic's not even there to help them, right? I mean, don't yeah. they say, I, I've heard, uh, Christina, that they'll say things like, Oh, well, um, just uh, uh, go to the emergency room. I mean, isn't that what they do? They pawn them off on the emergency room at that point. No, uh, they, they go and say, don't go to the emergency room. Don't oh, they say, don't go. Don't, yeah, go. don't go. But there are some that are actually smart. Uh, they are. These women are smart. Uh, they are. Like, when they know something's wrong and something's going to happen, they, they get to the emergency room. They don't... Um, they go to the emergency room and that's when it's done there. And then sure enough, under deposition, they have it under deposition where the abortionists even tell them, do not go to the emergency room because the emergency room cannot handle an, um, an abortion procedure. And I find that very unhighly, unhighly that um, emergency personnel does not know how to handle um helping a mom when she feels something drastically is wrong. I mean, they can take it from one of our fellow polite uh, silent and more sisters, Irene, um, who said the exact same thing. They told her not to go to the emergency room, and sure enough, she did. And yes, after hours, she gave birth to her daughter, but she still lived in that pain and regret for what she did, actually. So it's, um, I, I was, I, I always tell this to the girls if you feel that something is drastically wrong, don't listen to the abortionist. Go to the emergency room. I don't care what the situation is. You go, uh, actually, because they know what they're doing, where compared to the abortionists, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, they, they really don't. Right. They're on for the paycheck. And, and don't you think with Keisha Atkins, she probably would be alive today had she sought medical care quicker or sooner, right? I mean, tell us a little bit of what you know about Keisha Atkins. Keisha had uh, gotten sick um on the that first week of february uh she concocted sepsis and she had a high fever her mom tended to her um this is from what i know from what i was told is that she went back to the clinic because they said come back in the morning uh, and so she was in that room for nine hours and she was pale um they called for an ambulance. She went, they got her to the emergency room. She was unconscious. She was on 100% oxygen. Um, the first words, um, and no disrespect at all here, but she pretty much said to her mother that she was going to die. So she already knew something really, really wrong was going to happen to her. And so they got her in um, to the do the DNA because the baby was already still in her womb and the baby was already um uh festering and festering from decay to my understanding um 
And so when they went into the evacuation, she went into cardiac arrest. After an hour and a half of trying to resuscitate her, they couldn't bring her back. Uh, so, yes, yeah, she she and baby pretty much died of abortion, actually. So it's a, to me, it's a double murder. Uh, and also there's no justification for these actions on treating these women like cattle, uh, in my opinion, when it comes to the abortion industry. Right. And then you say you go out to the uh, the abortion mill there in Albuquerque every day uh, and uh, you're you're trying to talk to the women. You've obviously then because people are coming for late term abortions, you see girls walking in with very visible baby bumps, don't you? Yes, I have. I have seen. I do see it also. (laughs) Women, they're um, literally could be as far along. Um, they do abortions here to 32 weeks, and then after that, it's case by case. Uh, actually, I have seen women in their eighth month uh, actually uh, go through Southwestern Women's Options. Luckily, there was a save a couple weeks ago um, from a mom that chose life because she didn't want to go through with it. She received the help that she needed in her hometown. Um, but yes, uh, these women, um, they can actually go forward that far along in their pregnancies. And um, I'm going to bring up one uh, story, actually, and this is a victory one. It was over the 4th of July holiday in uh, 2016. My partner and I, we were out there and uh, we were just, we were in prayer, we were doing outreach and it being after the 4th of July holiday, we were expecting it to be busy. And yes, we get a couple of mommy hope bags. And uh, well, this mom, um, they call her mama, um, mama R uh, for her protection purposes. And she walked in and out of that clinic uh, four or five times. And uh, we kept on offering her uh, a mommy hope bag. We told her we were praying for her, we love her. And it was on the sixth time she came out she got in her cart and she came all the way from New York, Long Island. And uh, she was a, she, let's see, she was in her early 20s and she was going into being a single mom because the boyfriend was pressuring her into having the son. And she was um, seven months along. Well, my partner went and gave her a mommy bag and I was like, no, she wants to talk. Let, let me go and talk to her. Well, after an hour and a half of talking to her, she finally got the confidence. She finally uh, felt reassured, like, okay, I can be a mom, even a single mom, to my little boy, Ashley. So she had a premature birth, but she was happy that she does have her little boy with her today. And I do talk to her um, occasionally. I do just send her texts. I send her phone calls um, just to see how her and her, hus- her, and her son are doing. Um, and from what I gather, she's trying to continue to make a life for her and now her five-year-old. And, of course, if people who are in the Albuquerque area, yeah. if you want to get hold of Christina, just go to Albuquerque at silentnomore.com, send her an email, yeah. right? And uh, she will love to put you in touch uh, if you've had an abortion with the healing resources right there in New Mexico, 
But if you're were considering an abortion, but you really don't want to go through with it, she will also connect you with the pregnancy resource and help centers that are right there. You know, that's what people, I think, uh, it's a shame more people don't realize how much real help is available. And I'm not just talking about diapers and formula. I'm talking about a place to live if necessary, medical care. Um, they'll eventually help them uh, get back into school or get a job. Yeah. You know, right, Christine? I mean, that's the experience on the ground. It's, we're talking about real help, aren't we? Real choice. Yes, real choices. And our wonderful partners with uh, both Silent No More Awareness, New Mexico, and the Cherub Initiative, um, we have wonderful partners such as the Pregnancy Resource Centers. There is one that is, well, so there's a couple that are near and dear to my heart, and I'm happy to speak on them. Um, and that'll be uh, Karenette Albuquerque and also Karenette Santa Fe, um, alongside Ministries, um, Origins, and also Abortion on Trial. We're, we're here for the moms, and we're also here uh, and their babies. And we're also here if they have been injured or even hurt by the abortion industry to bring them justice and also to help them receive the healing also through our healing ministries. That's right. Well, Christina, thank you for joining me today. And we are so privileged to have you as our regional coordinator there on the ground in Albuquerque. And God bless and continue helping women and saving babies. Okay. Okay. God bless you too, Janet. And thank you for having okay. me. And thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Well, brothers and sisters, you know, you too might know someone who is hurt from an abortion and needs healing, just go to abortionforgiveness.com. Again, abortionforgiveness.com, simple search engine, put in your zip code. It will show you where the nearest Rachel's Vineyard and other abortion recovery programs are right in your own neighborhood. Again, abortionforgiveness.com. And also at Priest for Life, we have a beautiful little prayer booklet written by Father Pavone called In the Heart of His Mercy. This has beautiful prayers for those who have been hurt from abortion, moms, dads, siblings. There's about 30 pages of beautiful, beautiful prayers to reflect on. And you can get a copy of this beautiful In the Heart of His Mercy prayer book by going to our online store at prolifeproducts.org. Again, prolifeproducts.org to order in the heart of his mercy. And this will bring so many people comfort. Maybe you could order them and your clergy would let them uh, be there in the back of church because nothing speaks more than to show women who've been hurt from abortion. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to show you the mercy of the Lord. So in the heart of his mercy available at prolifeproducts.org. Well, thank you for joining us on our program today. And remember, brothers and sisters, there are some abortions only you will be able to stop and some lives only you will be able to save. Thank you again and join us again next time. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.